This is the future of finance by Motive Labs. Hello, welcome to the future of finance, the Motive Labs podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. afternoon and good evening wherever you are. This is Sam from Motive Partners and I'm joined today by two titans of technology, Paul Walker, Senior Advisor at Motive Partners and Stephen Daffron, co-founder and partner at Motive Partners and recently announced president of Dun & Bradstreet. Welcome guys. I'm going to pass over to Paul and let's take it away. Thanks Sam and hi Steve. So president of Dun & Bradstreet, congratulations. And it's been a pleasure working with you, and it's going to be a pleasure continuing to work with you on the Motive mission and the Dun & Bradstreet mission in the next couple of years. You and I both have careers that have spanned many different types of data and data analysis and data techniques, and you've run some of the most successful data businesses in financial services. So before we talk about Motive and the DMB transaction, maybe let's think for a second about your experience having been a data entrepreneur and a person who's operated data at scale in our industry. How's that been as a career? Thank you, Paul. Um, first, I'm not a titan of technology. Paul is, I'm not. <laughs> um, but I have spent a lot of my career dealing with and thinking about data. And data is the lubricant that makes the financial services work. It has been for years. I, only in the last decade or so, though, have we actually recognized how important it is. So from time at Goldman Sachs, in the hedge fund world, and Morgan Stanley, and then finally, later in the, in the uh, private equity world, running interactive data, I became very involved in understanding how the data gets from its origins all the way through who uses it and how it's used and why it's important. It's like oil uh, in the sense of a lubricant. It's important to get it out from where it is and get it to where it needs to go. And so as a, as a person who's been struggling working with this data question for some time, I'd say there are three really important things to recognize that actually all come out in the potential that is the, the Dun & Bradstreet transaction. First is the data doesn't do anything in and of itself. It's only when it's put in place to solve a particular business process problem that you can actually say it has value. So the important thing is to bring that data to the right place and the right user in the right form so it can be used to solve a particular business problem, which of course means you need to understand the business problem itself. Second, the technology that enables that is technology that has that is oftentimes not sexiest technology in the world is not, not what's key. This is not about having the Ferrari. This is about having the Ford F-150. And getting the data to the right place at the right time in the right condition is what makes it valuable. Yes, there are data companies out there that are, that are solving small problems for small kinds of consumer issues where you can have data that works on small scale. But in this case both in the Dun & Bradstreet case and, frankly, in my former company at, at Interactive Data, it's the data solutions that allow you to do this at scale that really make a difference and really make it important. And thirdly, it's to recognize that the transition in, in technology with Moore's Law and all we, the, the computing power we've gained has been masked, if not exceeded, by the growth in the actual amount of data, but also the complexity and the beauty of the mathematical connections between the data. It's actually like watching a... a an orchard grow over the years from the first saplings where you, you can see the potential but you really can't see the fruit to now where you can see in a company like IDC or more especially Dun & Bradstreet's 
the value and the beauty of what's there and what's possible to do. I've enjoyed this, and I think the Dun & Bradstreet transaction is going to give us a chance to do this even more. Yeah, and we can talk about that forest and the high-res image of the forest you can build nowadays uh, more. But you know, one of the things that you and I spend so much time talking about at Motive with our portfolio companies is the idea of customer success, user journey. And so having run a data business that made customers happy, what is it that customers love about scalable data businesses? And how do you deliver that? And what do you think is the most important thing as a leader of a large-scale data business to make your customers love your company? The first thing is the reliability. Because data is, if we use it, we'll go back to the, the oil analogy, it's not only the lubricant, it's also the fuel. Companies can't work without data. At Interactive Data, if we didn't deliver the right pricing data at the right time, companies couldn't price their portfolios. They couldn't fund their institutions. They couldn't move money. So it's an absolutely essential to be reliable. So that means every day, in every way, that, that data has to be there and be at the right place at the right time. Second, the data has to be fit for purpose. And this is the place where I think many data companies fall down because they, they become accustomed to what was as opposed to what needs to be. It is necessary, but not sufficient to be reliable. It is sufficient only if you can deliver data in a way that can be used by the client. One of the things that we saw at IDC, and frankly, having been a customer of Dun & Bradstreet for over 20 years, I can tell you the same things too of Dun & Bradstreet, is I oftentimes spent more money cleaning, normalizing, and preparing the data than I did actually spending, spent on actually purchasing the data. So having the data put in a format that, that allows me, the client, to understand how it can be used and then use it effectively, that's really, really important. And third, and this is, again, something that as a technologist you understand, the delivery of the data is not just delivering the data itself. It's actually understanding the mathematical connections between the elements of the data. Delivering something that says, here's the credit reference on a particular client is not that interesting. Delivering a data that says, here's a credit reference on this client, and here's how he's related or she's related to all the other clients in that field. And oh, by the way, here's what they care about. And oh, by the way, here's what they're willing to spend to address their concern. That kind of interlocking nature of the data is what really makes it valuable. That takes the mundane, we're just delivering data, to the the ultimate heights of we are delivering value. That's right. You can begin delivering intelligence if you understand connectivity. And look, you know, I think we, you and I have talked about this many a time before, Steve, that the, the model of delivering data for someone else's consumption, very valuable model. But the more that you can provide that context, that linkage, and then the more that you can bootstrap that to provide learning and insight on the data, the more valuable an offering you'll have. And I think the Dun & Bradstreet data set is one that's very, very exciting from that perspective. The idea that we have this wealth of data that's used every day, and nothing makes data more correct than being used, where we have these options to think about how the data interconnects, how we use that to predict and produce new analytics, find new clusters, do all the things we've learned in the machine learning and artificial intelligence space, but apply that in the context of a robust and well-loved and well-relied upon data set must be very exciting. How have you thought about some of that optionality that you see for you know, making yet another exciting product on top of the exciting products that are there today? I think of it in terms of unconnected dots. You know, the, the phrase of connecting the dots. Well, this is, this is what we, we have now have the potential to do. This is most of the data at Dun & Bradstreet's, which was also true at IDC, 
is in fact something that's often referred to as exhaust data. It's data that comes from businesses themselves, from business transactions themselves. It's collected, validated, and provided by the business themselves as exhaust to their businesses. That data is incredibly valuable in and of itself. But as you connect it, and it really is a multidimensional connection, it's connected over, it's connected longitudinally. First and foremost, one of the most important interesting things is understanding how this data, this, this business has changed over time, how the relationships have changed over time. That's incredibly valuable because now we can actually start making judgments about not only where they've been, but where they're going. Relationships geographically, relationships financially, relationships even people person by person. It's like finding an undiscovered continent with all the potential that that continent has in terms of mineral riches and, and value to be gained. It's like discovering a continent that hasn't been touched yet. Yeah, I think that's going to be a, a very exciting problem for some of the data scientists around you. Um, I look forward to helping you figure that out as well. That'll be a lot of fun. The other thing about Dun & Bradstreet that's remarkable, though, is it has such a robust history. It's 150, 175 years old. 175 years old. You were telling me earlier four presidents have worked there. And, you know, I, I, I was at an organization for a long time that's going to be turning 150 very soon, Goldman Sachs. And so, you know, used to uh, organizations with long histories. But how do you think about that brand and that culture and that history of the firm being accretive to what you want to do? There is a, a, an upside and a downside. Let me be first candid about what I see as the upside. I did this recently where I was in a, in a room where I said, how many people recognize the Dun & Bradstreet brand? And every hand in the room went up. Everybody recognizes the value of the brand. Why? A, because it's been around a long time. It's been consistent. It's been consistently delivered over time as being the right data for the right time. They have tremendous market share. They have tremendous respect within the industry. They have tremendously sticky clients because of that history, because the depth Again, going back to the point about connections, especially the longitudinal depth is so important to making this data valuable. Nobody else has it. That brand name represents the depth of knowledge that you have and in in the depth of knowledge you have and the trust that the industry has. The industry, by the way, is not just a financial industry. It's across the entire Fortune 500, from, from manufacturing to supply to the government. The GSA's primary source of identification is, in fact, the Dunn's number. We have the ability to maximize that brand recognition and build on it. That's the upside. And I think it's a huge upside that we will enjoy and employ for the years to come. The downside is it's also given us something of a, we've been doing this for a while. We know what we're doing. So it's not broken. Don't fix it. That is causing a bit of a problem because in some cases it is broken because we haven't brought all the right tools to bear. The data scientists on, in this space have not been given the, the kind of, of growth potential they need. We want to do some of these things in a, in a much more creative way than they've been done in this 175-year-old institution. Now, the two are not necessarily inextricably connected. The, the fact that it has great, great history and great brand recognition and great support throughout the industries that we serve is wonderful. What we can't let that do is, is let us see this as something that's we do the same way we do it every time. That's the downside. Yeah, and building that culture of a great brand while still maintaining that culture of innovation and retaining that history and everything it's worth, but not allowing it to hold you back, that's a really fascinating cultural problem and one that many organizations have really excelled by cracking. And I'm sure that will be an exciting part of the continued mission for you at Dun & Bradstreet. Well, look, Steve, you have a lot of work in front of you. 
with this with this role. So let me ask one question to wrap it up, which is, if you had to paint a picture of two or three years from now for what's better about Dun and Bradstreet, and for two or three years from now about what's the thing you're proudest to have preserved, what would those two things be? Help us see what's going to be amazing and new and what's going to be still fundamental and core to the way the business is operating. Well, first, that the brand recognition for reliability, availability, dependability is something we want to, to keep and even enhance. So that will be the same or better. And we want the, the Dunnett Brass Street brand to be, to be perceived as being the final word in the delivery of data that people need to run their businesses. The thing that I will be most proud of um, and the thing that I think we'll, we'll see that is dramatically different is we'll be able to do that, retain that brand, retain that reliability effect while modernizing the brand to be one of curiosity and creativity and reaching the next step first. We want to be the place where people go not only for the reliability of the data they have had before, but for all the data they didn't even know they needed that now we can supply to them. Well, Steve, as always, it's a pleasure talking with you. And I am sure that you and I will spend much more time over the next couple of years talking about Dun & Bradstreet. It's going to be really exciting. I hope our listeners enjoyed this. And Sam, thanks for bringing us together. I'll hand it back to you. Thank you, Steve. Well, titans of technology, whether you agree with me or not, that's certainly the way I view you guys. And thank you, Steve. My favorite quote and one that I will quote you on is that you've discovered an an untouched mineral-rich continent. I can't wait to see what you do as you touch every sector and benefit society. I think there's so much potential for employees, for investors, and most importantly, for your customers. I'll look forward to, and you haven't agreed to this, but doing another podcast in 12 months time with the update. Thanks very much. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motor partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of motive partners. Motive partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.